make disciples. And then use that fourth week, which is this one. We kind of use use uh, the totality of what we've learned the last few weeks as a launching pad of how do we do that? How do we actually, it's easy to say we love God, it's easy to say we love others, and it's easy to say we want to make disciples because we've all been in church long enough to know we just, you always say yes to whatever the Bible calls you to say. But how do you applicably do that? On a Monday morning, how do you actually live out your identity? So, uh, usually our fourth week in our identity series, and how we close out our identity series is missional living. How do we live out our call, our mission, our commission, uh, and our identity in Christ? So that's what we're going to be doing today. Um, before we dive in, I know last week or last Monday was Martin Luther King Day, and we we talked about how um, how important it is to to take time and in reverence to look back at the life of Martin Luther King. But I want to let y'all know in a little life hack that I do as far as MLK Day, because it's the first uh, federal holiday after the New Year's. I actually treat my New Year's resolutions as they don't start till after Martin Luther King. Um, uh, it gives you complete time to, like, for reality to set in. So I know a lot of you, and I don't know who needs to hear this. I don't know who needs to hear this, but you're okay. And you are probably doing the best you can, and it may or may not live up to your New Year's resolutions, but you are not defined by your accomplishments or your ability to close out what you said you're going to do. And if you need a respite, and if you need to hear that it's okay to restart and get a mulligan, and the first four weeks didn't go great, you just going on the round tree plan. I actually make plans, and I hit them hard January 1st. Reality sets in, and then after Martin Luther King, I redefine what's actually going to happen, and maybe we're not doing a six-minute mile this year, uh, and we're going to, why is that funny? Uh, but we're not. Or next year, or last year, there's never going to be. That's not who you've hired. Um, so, you have the freedom, and we're going to talk about that, the freedom to, to work in the realities where you find yourself. So, if you want to restart... You, I want you to hear the affirmation from your pastor. It is completely okay to say, that was a really, really uh, aggressive list that I've made. And I'm actually going to redefine it to a realistic list where I find myself in 2020. But uh, we're going to focus today around identity. How you see yourself, ergo your identity, is directly linked in how you live your life. Um, the identity, or who you are, is really what you want people to know. Your identity, uh, whether it be in Christ, where we know it should be, or something else, is generally uh, oozed out of who you are. Um, we joked last week that how do you know if someone's in a CrossFit? They tell you. They tell you, right? How do you know if someone's uh, in, into, uh, how do you know what they define you? They say, um, I, I have a lot of training in just... Um, in interviewing and communicating with people, and they will tell you if you let someone, if you sit someone down and you just ask them some probing questions into themselves, because people love that, right? If you if there's an awkward, if you don't know how to start an interview, if you don't know how to start a conversation, the best way they say is to start a cold interview is just to ask people questions about themselves. They will generally open up, um, and then in that first ten minutes, uh, what they tell you about themselves is how they identify themselves. So um, if I'm sitting down and I'm just saying, hey, hey, what's going on? Where are you at? Where, where are you from? How's your family? Where did you go to school? Um, what do you do for a living? What interests you? So on and so forth. What they want you to know about them is, is their persona, the vibe they're putting off is also what they identify themselves, even if that's not reality. Even if like, you're, you're looking at them and you know them and you know the realistic uh, manner in which they live their life and they're telling you something else, what they identify themselves as doesn't necessarily have to be who they are. It's just who they perceive themselves to be. And we're going to talk about that a lot today, that you can't live your life out um, in the missional living that God's called you to be. You can't live out 
out the truth that you know is the gospel of Christ until you properly identify yourself. If you are not identified as a born-again believer, as Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, then you're never going to be able to live out the mission of love God, love others, and make disciples. And you can, you can try, you can fake it, you can, you can do everything in your ability to do all of those things. You can, you can tell yourself you love God, you can be really nice to your co-workers, and then you can check on people throughout their week and call that discipleship. But at the end of your life, you, you, you may call yourself a son or daughter of Christ and look nothing like him. And that's a really scary place to find yourself. So before you, you go down the road of just wasted time and wasted ambition, you always have to dive yourself back into who you are. You are a child of God. And that means everything you do, every step you take, has to be for the goal of looking more and more like Christ. That's the sanctification that the Spirit promises us. That if we give ourselves over to the Spirit, if we give ourselves over uh, to the gospel of Christ, that every day we will look more and more like Christ. And that doesn't mean that every day you're going to be the best version of yourself. It doesn't mean every day is going to be easy. And that doesn't mean every day you're not going to be riddled with some kind of guilt or thoughts of failure. It means that the Spirit is going to sanctify you. He's going to progressively move you to a position where you look more and more like Christ. And that's a beautiful place to find yourself. But that's where you launch in on how to live on mission. We talk about that a lot. How do you live on mission? How do you missionally live? And who, who has heard the term? And when I say term, I mean like, in quotes, on mission. Who knows what it means to live on mission? Show of hands, one in the back. Two. It's not important, because guess what? I wrote it down, I'm going to explain it to you. Living on mission is really a term that was stolen from the military, moved into law enforcement, and then moved into business, right? So everything that we do um, usually has a genesis. And living on mission is usually uh, referred to in its more traditional mindset is operational success. How do you achieve operational success? I hear that day in, day out. And you may hear a version of that day in, day out. We may be talking about the same things, but I'm in an industry that loves jargon. Oh, do we like to articulate things and give it a title? That's where we're at. And I realize some of you may say, like, it's really weird to hear my pastor talk about operational success. That's just who I am. I don't have any other stories. I have to play on what I know. I can make it up, but then it would just be really weird. Um, I'm not a closer. I'm a guy who defines himself and is defined at work um, by can you literally, like, can you have success in the operations we've given you? And living on mission means that in everything you do, complete devotion to the object at hand. All choices, all actions are done through the lens of operational success. So that means either it be a macro where you have a mission statement where it says, we are going to go and do this. We're going to go find this person. We're going to safely and securely detain him. Or, on, uh, or we're going to go close this deal. We're going to go do this and that. That is our, that is our big picture operational uh, mandate. So you say, I'm going to live for Christ. That's your operational mandate. I'm going to do everything I can to look more and more like Christ. But then how does the macro of that, and that's where living on mission comes in. We have a guy on our team. So we, do, we go out a lot and we have an operation. We have a guy on our team that his job is to, take the, to check the tire pressure on every vehicle we use. We have a guy on our team whose job is batteries. It's 2020. Everything we do runs on some kind of battery or a rechargeable uh, platform. His job is to make sure everything's charged up and everything that needs batteries has fresh batteries every time. And it goes so on and so forth. You're, you're taught at a very young age that you need to make sure head to toe is right. 
Because if anything fails you, it's going to get in the way of operational success. So if your boots aren't laced up, if you haven't drank enough uh, water to keep yourself hydrated through a long-term operation, if you haven't completely focused on everything you need to do to get to where you're called to be, then, then, then it's a weak point, and weak points have a way of exploiting you. I can't explain to you how many times I've, I've heard that, that the weak point in your operation is where operational success will be voided. And that's the same for Satan in your life. If you have a spot in your life that you haven't focused on and done the small things to lead you to the big things, that's a place where Satan's going to find a foothold. He's going to explore your weakness and he's going to do everything he can to get you off mission. He does not want you converting the lost to the throne of Christ. He does not want you living on mission for the cause of Christ. He does not want you to identify yourself as a born-again child of God. He does not want you living in community with your church. And he's going to do everything in his power to distort you. He's going to do everything he can to throw this church off its path. He's going to do everything he can to get you busy and and unfocused and sad and depressed. He wants you to think you're not good enough. He wants this church to think that it's not making the strides it needs to make. And he wants you to think that the weight of everything is on you and crushing you. And that's lies. And the way we get away from that and the way we live in the light of truth is that we are, are confident in our identity in Christ. We know that we are not perfect. That we are broken sinners. That we are in need of a Savior. That Savior came. He died for us and rose again. And when he rose again He conquered hell in the grave. And what that means is when God looks at you, He looks at you through the lens of Christ. So yes, you are broken. Yes, you need a Savior. And yes, every day is going to be a struggle to live in the identity of Christ. But it means that when God looks at you, if you are a born-again Savior, God's already looking at you through the cross of Christ. And what reigns over you is the blood of Christ. That when God looks at you, He sees what His Son did for you. And you have to own that. You have to walk in that. And that is how you live on mission. That's really the total thing. I haven't even turned the page. That's it. That's all I prepared. That was like in one breath. Alright. Let's actually read the Bible and see what the Bible has to say about it. Alright. Galatians. Um, you can stay seated. We're going to bounce around a lot in the epistles of Paul. Because Paul writes this in a lot of different ways in a lot of different books. Um, and I'm going to focus in on Galatians, but we're going to move around. So, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ. It is I who no longer live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. Let me pray over us. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the hype that is just the the feeling of emotion that's excited to talk about your word and your way. God, I pray over for the next few minutes that you would give uh, this room focus and that you would give our children peace and that we'd be able to walk in your ways for your, your glory. Amen. So what Paul is saying here is, I am no longer the brokenness I see in the mirror, but I'm actually a reflection of Christ. And there are days you're not going to feel like that, and that's okay because you're human. But what Paul is saying is, it's no longer I who live. My identity is locked in with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And I don't live in the flesh, but I live by faith in the Son of God, because I know what Christ did for me. He gave himself for me. And there's freedom in that. You can see in this writing that Paul understands his identity and he walks in it. He says, yes, I am Paul. Paul was a church destroyer. Paul has blood on his hands for the New Testament church. He did everything he could in the beginning of his uh, ministerial life to fort the church. He wanted the church to be destroyed. He thought they were heretics. He thought they were going to take away power and riches from him. And what was bestowed to him on the road to Damascus was real riches and powers. And he did everything in his writing and his works to make up for that. And you can feel the guilt of Paul in his writings that he knew he started off destroying the one thing he was called to build. 
But you see that freedom Paul has in his identity in Christ. He goes on in Philippians 1 to talk about, for to me is to live is Christ, or to die is gain. That's a really popular text. It's on a lot of coffee mugs. Um, but for what Paul is saying here is, if your identity is locked in Christ, then your future doesn't matter to you because you know who holds the future. You can say, yes, bad things may come, I may die, but if I die, I'm in the presence of Christ. But if I live, I'm going to live for Christ. Either way, I am identified with Christ. He goes on in Galatians 5 to say, for freedom Christ has set you free. He's saying that you are no longer bound to the yoke of slavery, but you're able to walk in step in the freedom of Christ. And freedom, understanding your identity leads to freedom. And in that freedom, in that identity in Christ, that's where you find the peace and the hope and joy that you need to sustain yourself in life. It is easy to identify yourself outside of the body of Christ. And I don't know who needs to hear this, but you are not the summation of the things you complete on this earth. You are not the summation of the, of the deal you need to close. You're not the, the summation of, of what people at your work think of you. You're not the totality of how your kids act in public. You're not, uh, you're not a, being judged on your parental skills just because of this or that or your, your ability to close out the big deal, your ability to earn or your ability to do that. And yes, you're supposed to do all those things uh, with, with, with a, a God-calling purpose or sense, but your identity is solely found in Christ. And the second you start to identify yourself outside of that is when you are setting yourself, setting yourself up for worldly failure. Because Satan will use what you think is true to you, he will use what you think you're identifying yourself as, and he will use it to destroy you. He will use it to destroy this church, and he will use it to destroy this movement. He is counting on you, stepping away from the cause of Christ, and identifying yourself with something worldly so he can destroy it. And by destroying it, he will destroy your identity of yourself. And in our identity and freedom is understood. That's when the manner of our life and the mission of our life is kind of put into focus. And I know we've talked about a lot on, on a macro level. We've talked a lot about um, love God, love others, make disciples. And yes, the, the idea of a mission statement is for you to be able to regurgitate it, right? I want you to go, I don't want a two-page mission statement and someone at your work says, hey, so what? tell me more about Trinity Church. And you're like, let me pull it up. No, the, the goal is for you to be able to say love God, love others, make disciples. I get that. It's a very catchy mission, mission statement, but I also understand that in its simplicity, it can become vague. When you say, if I gave you a test and I said, hey, Big Jam, are you supposed to love God? Yes. Strong yes, right? Strong yes. <laughs> hey, are you, supposed to make, are you supposed to love others? I'm going to check yes on that. Do you want to make disciples to all nations? Yes, I want to do all that. And it's easy for us to say, yes, Tim, our identity statement sounds awesome. Now what? And that's what today's about. Today, I want to put before you some affableness. Yes, the idea of loving God is complex and beautiful, and it's the totality of Scripture. We're not going to break that down again today. And, and loving others is, is simply uh, loving anyone that's not yourself more than yourself. But it also is complex, and it's hard, and it's icky, and it's messy, because we've talked about it. We all suck. Um, and making disciples is, is this mystical word sometimes that we don't truly understand, but we just, we just want to do what the world call, or what God calls us to do. Um, so I've broken it down into two things for 2020. Yes, you could break it down into 40 things, 400 things, but for us today and in this year, I want us to live out our mission in two ways. And the first one is, I want you to dwell in the Word of God. All of those things, that we've talked about, that, that is our mission statement, we get those from the Word of God. None of these things are just Tim's ideas. None of these things are just Catherine's ideas. This is not just your staff 
trying to be uh, uh, catchy or trying to give our marketing department a heads up on its trendiness. We're literally pulling things out from the Word of God. So my calling as your pastor in 2020 is to live out your mission, to live out your identity, our mission statement, in dwelling in the Word of God. And that's every day. And notice I didn't say read. I didn't say read. I said dwell in the Word of God. Um, You can read it every day. There's been years that I have read through the Bible in one year and I've never felt more distance from God because I'm type A. And if you just give me a checklist, I'll do it. And if if on that checklist is read this, read that, I can read it. It won't sink in. It won't change my life. I won't apply it. I won't understand it. I won't study it. But I'm telling you, the only way through 2020 is for you to dwell in the Word of God, for you to dive in to the Word of God. I'm going to go out on a limb. I've caught in some flack lately. I feel like those, those criticisms are no longer valid. But I'm a big fan of the actual Bible. When I say actual Bible, I'm not saying like you're going to go out and find some like halfway Bible. But if you've been under my teaching, you know what I mean. I mean a bound book <laughs> with words. And I'm not judging. I'm not even looking who's on their phone right now. I'm not here to judge you. But I can see you. <laughs> And I am not saying that that's bad. There are times that I'm in in the field or I'm in my car and I just don't have this in front of me and I use that too. It's okay to use that as a supplemental tool. But as your pastor, I highly encourage you to get a bound book because there's just something weighty about feeling it in your hand. Not to mention, if you don't think you can be distracted by your phone or your computer, come on, man. Like, that's just, you're asking, like, I'm bad about it. I'm like, what's this passage? But also, what's Instagram on? Like, I love vibes. I love the Bible. Like, I, it, it's pulling at my attention. And, and, and there's just beauty in highlighting and circling. I highly encourage you to get a study Bible and not to be just about your own thoughts. But the ESV study Bible is a beautiful tool that we use. Um, there's a lot of apps out there that are Bible in your. I'm, I'm going through Read Scripture Daily, which is, a, which is a podcast done by the Bible Project. If you don't know what the Bible Project is, oh my gosh, it's going to change your life. It's really, it's really easy to remember. It's called the Bible Project. Look at Google. They, they, do, they do readings. They do translations. They do commentaries. They do movies to make it easy. But the, the idea is for everything you do in your world, in your life daily, to revolve around this because it will dive into you. It will, it will, it will dwell in your bones and your marrow. And there will be times in your life where you don't know which way is which, but this will be the compass. That, that Christ will use this. The Spirit will use this to pull you out of where you need to go. And you can use this as your refuge and your guide, but it's also your arsenal. Sometime in 2000, 2000 I can't talk today. Sometime in 2020, every person in this room is going to come under attack, and, uh, and the only way that you're going to be able to fight back is Scripture. If you look at uh, Christ's life on earth and his ministry, every time he came under attack, he 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 fought back. Uh, the, he thought fought back Satan and he fought back uh, the world with scripture. He quoted scripture and his his scripture is constantly on your mind. You will have the arsenal and the guide that you need to go through. So I highly encourage you getting the bound book, opening up, letting it dwell over you and you pulling the marrow out of it. If you don't have a Bible, look around. Take one at yours. The second way um, I want us to live out our mission in Trinity Church in 2020 is I want us to look at people through the lens of Christ. And you're like, we get it, Tim. Love others. But I mean it. Like, there's nothing that humbles me more and gets me back to where I need to be uh, than telling myself to look at them as Christ sees them. Uh, because it's easy for me. Don't think just because I, I'm your pastor and I've been called to shepherd you and I've been called to love you and I, it's, it's absolutely 
one of the most beautiful things I've ever been a part of is just to call myself uh, the pastor of Trinity Church because of how much we get to love each other and do life together. But you're high if you don't think I feel the exact same things y'all think. Right? Like, if you're thinking, like, Tim doesn't think people suck because he's a pastor. No, I think some of y'all suck. Uh, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah. No, I am. I love all of you equally but differently. Um, but there's so many times I don't show the love I need to show. There's so many times I'm saying, like, hey, I got this going on. I got this going on. I got this going on. And this person may need me, but you know what? Eh. And there's nothing that reorients my heart back to where it needs to be than say, look at them through the lens of Christ. There's nothing I pray more uh, when it comes to others than look at them through the lens of Christ. Look at them as Christ saw them. And Christ saw them as someone worthy of death. He died for them. He looked at them and said, yes, this person needs a Savior and I'm going to be that Savior. Every person you see is made in the image of God. And I know, like, Tim, you're just redoing love others. But that's what's going to get you through 2020 because you're going to have to coexist. You're going to have to be that biblical community, biblical community to survive. Looking at others through the lens of Christ will lead you to grace. It will make you show others more grace than you ever saw, thought possible. There are going to be people that are wearing you out that need Christ. And the Christ they need, they may see through you. Christ is going to use you to bring them to himself, but he can only do that through loving them and grace. Looking at them through the lens of Christ will ultimately lead you to love. It will ultimately lead you to unity. Like we've talked about before, 2020 is going to be divisive. It's a, it's a political year. It's a voting year. You can't turn on the TV and one side not be railing at the other. But if you look at that op- opposition, and, and I don't know how political you are, I don't even know uh, what opposition really is for you, but there is opposition. If you look at someone who is counter to you, but you look at that person through the lens of Christ, there will be grace. There will be love. There will be unity. There will be discipleship. There will be, be, be biblical community. There's so many times people say, I love the community at Trinity Church. And I tell them all the time, if you're looking for community, you're never just going to find it. Community is not found, it's what? Created. Community is not found, it's created. created. And that, that, that creation of community does, it, it happens by looking at, at, at your brother and sister and say, I may not agree with you, I may not be on the same page as you, or I may. I may you may be in lockstep with me. We may be best friends. But either way, I'm going to look at you through the lens of Christ, and it's going to lead me to unity. It's going to lead me to discipleship. And that stuff is already happening. Some of the most beautiful fruit I've seen at Trinity Church is people that are completely opposite come together for the work of Christ. The people that are completely on the opposite sides of life, uh, uh, personality types, um, just callings, uh, ability, come together and say, what we're doing here is, is a called work. What we're doing here matters. And whatever brings us together for the cause of Christ is so much stronger than anything that could tear us apart. Real discipleship is happening here. Um, and it's, it's, it's hard to see sometimes. It's, it's easy to get bogged down in life, and it's easy to get bogged down uh, in, in just the obstacles we find ourselves in. I know for me, uh, this has been a really crazy season just because a lot more has been put on my plate as far as just the day in, day out of Trinity Church. And the grace that has been given to me in this season is affirming that we're doing the right thing. Uh, one, of the, one of the people in my life that I, I, I look to a lot, and he, he's funny, and he, he keeps me uh, lighthearted when, when things get heavy, but also is just a constant reminder of beautiful uh, discipleship. Is, and I gave him a hard time, but it's Bear. 
Uh, I gave him a haunt. He's really surprised that I just used his name and not a derogatory name. He's like, this sounds like a compliment. This is not usually where it goes. Um, so uh, this is a guy um, that, that when we first came to, to Trinity Parish, he was like, I'm, 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 I'm new to this church thing. What's this all about? And I can't imagine you being new to church and your first church experience being a church plant. Like, to me, that's like, it's just props for staying. I'm out. I'm like, I, my church experiences in the 90s were just everybody singing to Big Big House. Um, uh, and, and so, but, but through, through love and through, through identity shifting, I've seen this, guy, this man of God come alongside and become a pillar of this church. And three weeks ago, four weeks ago, when we're walking through some, some big obstacles, and I'm going to have to lay out some truth to y'all that maybe I don't want to lay out, and I know it's going to be a beating I'm taking, it's emotional. Uh, and I'm just sitting in this parking lot, and I'm thinking, I don't know if I have what it takes to stand before you and be the man God's called me to do. And we're going to find out in like 17 minutes together. Um, and I'm standing, and Bear gets out of his car, um, and I think, okay, here comes a good joke. Maybe he'll get me lighthearted. And I know from here that he's, he comes up to me, I'm expecting a funny bear joke. He goes, I'm going to hug you and pray over you. And it just broke me. Because I thought, I know this guy. This guy has, we've shared Ubers together, and now he's praying over me. Let's, we'll, 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 we'll kick that out of the pocket. <laughs> and that's the beautiful calling that is Trinity Church in 2020. That is someone who uh, has said, my identity is no longer the closer, but it's the child of God. And, and that's true for everyone in this room that we've come together and we've realized we're called, we realize that our identity is synced in Christ and we have to keep it there. And we have to continue to walk lockstep in the will of God and do what we are called to do in 2020 because this, this, this city, this state, and this nation needs churches that identify solely with Christ. As we close today, I don't know if there's a better way to reaffirm your identity uh, with Christ than, than communion. We're going we're gonna to take communion here in a sec. So the band's going to come up. They're going to play. The Ellis's are going to be staying up here uh, with the bread and, and the juice. And it's just going to be uh, an outward expression of an inward faith that we say this is the body of Christ. This is the blood of Christ. This is why we're able to identify with Christ because what Christ did for us and that we know our all-powerful God looks at us through the blood and the sacrifice of our Savior so that one day we will live eternity in, in worship with Him. Let me pray over us and we will dive in. God, thank you for today. Thank you for just the opportunity to identify with you. Thank you for the real changes and the real people we see in Trinity Church. Thank you for the, the workers. Thank you for the worship team. Thank you for the staff. Thank you for everyone who has said yes to the calling. God, I pray that you just reaffirm the work, reaffirm the sacrifice, reaffirm the, the sweat and the tears that we are doing your calling. And I pray that we do that in 2020 through just with freedom and with peace, identify solely with you. I pray that we dwell in the word of God and we treat your creation as someone that was worth Messiah coming and dying for and that we love and we, we see unity and peace. God, I pray all things in your name. Amen.